Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, guys? This is Zach Banner with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You are now listening to Smoke Em If You Got Em, hosted by Travis Herco and Stephen Reed. God bless. Hello and welcome everybody to this post-Memorial Day edition of Smoke em If you got them on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Deezer, I mean wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there. I'm your host, Stephen Reed, as always, with his co-host, the one, the only, Travis Herco. How you doing today, big guy? Um, post-Memorial Day is awesome. Um, I love that you dropped Spotify twice. I'm trying to get the... Uh markings in for that which is always a good thing but uh we're there it's phase one down here in the grand state of north carolina so restaurants are opening back up slowly but surely um my tattoo parlor just opened back up so hopefully i can get my sleeve finished up here in the next couple weeks and um you know we're moving forward moving forward it's a good day and uh you know the nhl you know definitely open their stuff back up a little bit more today we have kbo baseball nascars back so Finally, after 11 weeks, we're starting to get sports again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and real quick, just a quick shout-out to Zach Banner for dropping that intro for us. Uh, great guy, obviously. Uh, if you don't know, you can find him on Cameo. He was uh, willing to do this for us. Great intro for the show, not that we had to introduce ourselves now, but um, just just awesome that, that uh, he took the time out of his day to record a small intro, even if, albeit you know, 10, 15 seconds for us. Uh, but yeah, we're, we are slowly opening up here in, in, uh, Western, or I guess you could say, what, Southwestern Pennsylvania, uh, down below Pittsburgh. Uh, we're going to what is called the yellow phase, uh, or we went to the yellow phase, uh, two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, uh, slowly getting back to hopefully the normal, uh, life here pretty soon and, and getting all these small businesses and, and everything back and running, and then obviously sports back into our lives. And like you said, Travis, uh, the first thing we got to talk about is the fact that baseball is back, albeit not the MLB. Oh, hold on. Well, before we get that far, I hear okay. the important one finally opened up again, and I hear that the liquor stores in Pennsylvania. Uh, oh, yes. The liquor stores have officially opened up. Um, they For the longest time, or for, I wouldn't say the longest time, because it wasn't more than a couple weeks, but for a couple weeks it was uh, online sales only. Then I went to curbside sales, but even then people weren't getting 
the, the online thing wasn't reliable because so many people were trying to access it. It, it was a whole mess. Um, but the but the beer distributor stayed open, so we still we still had our beer, just just no liquor, no state stores. Well, the good thing about North Carolina is is that all of our liquor stores, um, and I don't know what they're called up there down here. They're called ABC liquor stores. All the ABC stores were considered essential personnel. So luckily for me, I never lost my supplier. Yeah, well, l- luckily I stocked up a little bit before uh, everything happened, and on top of that, I mean. I don't drink much liquor. I had some beer. Uh, and then I guess, I mean, on the bright side, I saved some of that beer and alcohol for now uh, because it had an appendectomy between our last show and this show. Uh, so I've been off work, you know, with nothing else to do but drink, I guess. Uh, so, so you're throwing back a couple uh, couple drinks here and there throughout these uh, boring couple weeks of, of sitting at home till I get cleared to go back to work. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, Baseball is back, albeit Korean baseball. Uh, it's been playing on ESPN for pretty much most of this quarantine now. Uh, we've seen some good games from the Koreans. Uh, all those games are available on demand on ESPN, not giving them any shout-outs, but if you do want to watch a game, uh, you can go back with your TV provider and, and watch those games. Or if you're up at 5 in the morning, um, for most of the games you can watch them. I know some of the games are... I think start at midnight our time in the east. Others like three in the morning our time in the east. You can do your math for wherever else you live in in the states or wherever you're listening. Uh, I'm not a numbers guy, so don't blame me there. But um, your team, the the NC Dinos, currently lead the KBO with a record of 15-3 and 0. I, I think we're kind of going with a um, what's this a bandwagon pick here? Is, is that what I'm going with? Uh, I mean, I mean, you can you can go with the bandwagon all day. I mean, my decision on them was actually pretty easy because on MLB The Show 20, my team is named the Dinos, and I kind of live in North Carolina, whose initials are NC. So I mean, it was like a straightforward bam bam for me. This is true. I, I I'm not sure if I do have a team yet. I mean, I just enjoy watching watching baseball. I mean, uh, for those that don't know, the KBO is uh, comprised of ten teams. Uh, all within Korea, obviously. NC Dinos, the LG Twins. Uh, I'm, you're going to give me a second because I don't know all of these. I know Doosan's the Bears. Kia's the Tigers. Samsung. Samsung. I'm not sure what they are. Um, uh, I, I have a Kia. list of them. I just don't have the name, what, what their mascots are. They have some cool mascots, though. Uh, if you haven't seen any of the mascots. No, there's some really cool mascots just, involved with them. Yeah, uh, there's like I mean, uh, I, I, I really enjoy it. I think I'm kind of leaning towards the Deuce on Bears. I'm, I'm not sure why I'm leaning towards the Bears. Um, so, all right, so we have we have the NC Dinos, the Deuce on Twins, the LG. Uh, I'm sorry, the Deuce on Bears, the LG Twins, the Kia Correct. Tigers, the Loda Giants, the Samsung Lions, the Kiwom Heroes, the Hanwha Eagles, the SK. Uh, Wyverns, uh, I think. Screw this one up. Wyverns yes, and correct. the KT Wiz. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny about all of the, the KBO is you look at a lot of these teams and they're, um, they're named after, well, I, I guess you could say they're, they're, they're named after, you know, big, big appliances or, or cars from the U S but, um, a lot of these, you know, businesses, Samsung and, and Kia and LG are all, uh, you know, ma- manufactured over, <clears throat> excuse me, in Korea. Uh, at one point I want to say, 
uh, I forget who it was, one of the other teams uh, was the Hyundai something uh, that recently changed. Um, but, but regardless of what it is, we've we've seen some good baseball. I mean, uh, the pitching over there is definitely a lot worse than we're used to in the United States. You see a lot of high, uh, you know, a lot of games with high scores. Uh, there are the few games in which uh, a team may not score, only score a run or two, but uh, the batting average is over there typically a lot higher. I mean, the current leader uh, for batting average in the league is Jose Fernandez hitting at a 480 clip. Um, and you're going all the way down to fifth place in J.O. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm probably butchering these names, so I, I apologize. Uh, he's hitting 385 uh, over there in, in Korea. But, I, I mean, the, the Korean baseball, I think, is a great way to get some of these guys um, some exposure. I mean, you look at Eric Thames. He came from uh, came from the KBO, what, three, four seasons ago? Uh, and he, he lit it up over there. He won an MVP, helped them win a title, I want to say. And, and you're seeing more. You see uh, three Americans per team. Uh, Roberto Ramos is a big one over there right now. He's playing for the LG Twins, a former prospect of the Colorado Rockies, currently leading the league in home runs. Um, it, I, I mean, it, it might not be prof- you know MLB baseball, Travis, but it's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I found myself having some fun watching. Uh, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be you know, about of the last place teams and I'm still having fun watching it. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I watched a game over the weekend that was the, tw- I know it was the twins. And I'm trying to remember. I think it was the KT Wiz um, who they were playing. And, and I watched a guy who pitched for the Chicago White Sox, who was from the Dominican Republic versus a guy who was the opposing pitcher, who was an American who played for, I want to say the Cardinals at one point in time. And, and you just watch the different styles of pitching over there you know, the umpires are actually really fun over there for how they call balls and strikes. It's really interesting watching the announcers in the United States on, you know, essentially a Zoom video live stream um, through ESPN, you know, uh, you know, announcing these games. Uh, it, it, it's really a fun experience. And, you know, granted, you know, we're, we're not watching Major League Baseball. You know, we're, we're not watching, you know, quote-unquote MLB level production and, and style in the game, but you're watching competitive baseball games. And I, I think that, you know, what we're really starting to see with, with all these sports, I, I think NASCAR is the one that really booms the ticket up. I mean, KBO baseball, everyone's like, okay, you know, you know, yeah, we have some sports, it's baseball, but it's Korean baseball. What the hell is Korean baseball? And, oh, by the way, it only comes on when you're supposed to be asleep, unless right. you are a psychopath or somebody who has to get up at the ass crack of dawn for work. Right. Congratulations. You know, who cares? But, you know, now that we're seeing NASCAR, you know, with no fans, you know, conduct their sport, and, 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 and you're watching now all of a sudden all these other sports, like try to say, okay, look at the success that NASCAR is having right now, and nobody – you know, really watch NASCAR comparative to some of these other, you know, sporting events that are out there, then they're seeing the success they're having. Now they're saying, okay, we got to get on track. So, you know, I love watching KBO baseball personally, because to me, that's more of the guys who would be on, you know, slightly above college level underneath, you know, the Japanese leagues or, uh, you know, MLB, obviously, but you're watching a competitive game with guys who, very well could be, I mean, out here in North Carolina, we have a team called the Kinston Wood Ducks. You know, and I haven't been to any of their games yet, but, you know, it's almost like 
seeing something like that, where, where it's a local team, you know, you, you really want to get in, in, in behind them, you're invested into them just because they're a local team. And that's what you really see out of the Korean Baseball League is, 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 with the KBO is the, these teams that, that are truly, you know, a homegrown team for the most part. And those, in my opinion, are sometimes some of the best time, you know, games to watch because you're not watching players who are getting paid millions upon millions of dollars and who are absolute divas and you have you know the 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 Manny Machados out there who are just running their mouths and they get traded to the Padres and okay well it is what it is and then you know oh my god there's a blockbuster trade involving Mookie Betts and you know Zach Granke's going here you don't see all that with the KBO at least you know from what I've seen of it. It, it it's very respectful but the fans, you know, when, when you look up previous videos from the KBO, you, you see these fans that are out there and they're all in just because that's their local team. That's who they live and, you know, die with. It, it, it's almost on the same level as if you're talking about Barclay, you know, Premier League or Bundesliga football, you know, or, or some of these other teams where, you know, like, it, like I'm a huge, personally, I'm a huge Manchester United fan. When you start talking about Manchester United versus Manchester City in the Premier League, you know, in the city of Manchester, that is a real situation. You know, I mean, if, there's bars where if you are a Man City fan, you are not a you, you won't go in that bar because that's Man U. That's a Man U bar, and if Manchester United fans find out you're a Manchester City fan, you're getting your ass kicked. And you know, you see these fans just really back that team just because that's their home team, and, that, and that's something you really don't see very much in the professional sports world of, uh, in the United States between the NBA. MLB, NHL, NFL, you really don't see that kind of diehardness all that frequently. A lot of times it comes down to, oh, so-and-so is making so much money, or Antonio Brown's doing his antics on the field, and Chad Johnson was doing this back in, you know, 2010, and, you know, so-and-so player did this, Tom Brady that, you know, Tony Romo this. You know, you, you don't see that with the KBO, and it's, it's a, yes, we have sports back, but it's also refreshing to see it in a pure form. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I noticed right away uh, from watching the KBO is uh, just the, uh, I guess you could say the respect level right off the bat. That was probably the first thing uh, I, I saw. You, you see um, a, a player get hit, uh, you know, hit by pitch, whatever. Uh, the pitcher's automatically, you know, you know, apologizing and, and saying whatever, and, and, and vice versa. If something, you know, happens, uh, you know, a, a late timeout call in the box by a batter, you often see that that uh that batter extending the same um same accordance to uh to the pitchers and i think one thing that i another thing i learned uh if you happen to catch i want to say it was last wednesday or thursday's game maybe maybe it was before that even um it was the lg twins and i want to say the doosan bears play I, it doesn't matter who it was i know it was the lg twins for sure because espn had uh, an lg twins super fan they called him on um, and apparently everybody over there, you know, for each team, um, at least LG nonetheless, has a specific song that the fans sing when the player comes up to bat, which I thought was really, really cool. And they were interviewing him, and uh, this fan has attended both games in the United States. I think he said Philadelphia and Los Angeles, as well as obviously in Korea. And he said sometimes, you know, obviously. He, the one thing he said about American fans is they're they're really not involved in the game at all. Uh, you know, a lot of people sitting on their phones during the game worried more about their uh, their hot dog and beer run than than they are the game. And then you go over to Korea, and they're in it from pitch one 
to the end. Doesn't matter if they're winning or losing. They're there for the whole thing, for the whole experience. And um, he said, you know, honestly, he kind of would like uh, like a, a combination of the two. Some of that's not, you know, the fans that aren't too wild, but uh, also, you know, also involved in the game to an extent. I, I think we can both agree that, um, at least in baseball, uh, the fans for the MLB are a lot of times, you know, just, just there. Uh, unless it's the playoffs, unless it's a meaningful, you know, game 163, we really don't see American fans that all that involved in the game, or, you know, or unless, I guess you could say, them interfering with a ball in play or whatever, but it's just a tale of two different worlds, really, going from Korea to America and vice versa, and, and it's, I think it'd be interesting to hear from someone like Eric Thames or Jung Ho Gung, who have played in both leagues now, um, both KBO or made the transition to MLB, vice versa. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to get a, you know, get their take on their experiences in both, and you know, if when they came from the Korean league to the to MLB, if they expected something different, or just ultimately how that ended up going. But uh, nonetheless, baseball is back. Might not be the best baseball, but. I thoroughly I mean, enjoy that, that, it. That's really an interesting point. You know, I mean, how, how much of that though do you think center centers around the fact that in you know South Korea, you know KBO is it? Like, I mean, that is the big time over there, from what I've understood. And you know, but over here, yeah, MLB is there, but it's also been around since you know the 1800s. And we have the NFL now. We have the NHL. We have the NBA. We, you know, we, have, we have all these other sports that are eclipsing baseball as far as popularity. And, you know, here, when, when people say they're going to a baseball game, they'd always say, you know, you always hear, go to the game for the game. I went for the experience. Or, like, you know, living in Denver, you know, as long as I did, people would say, oh, we went to Coors Field for the experience. It's a great stadium. We love, we love the experience. And it's like, well, you're, you're paying for a game, you know, you can get, you know, the quote unquote experience from your own couch. You know, how hard is it to grill a couple of hot dogs and, you know, kickbacks and beers? I mean, if you really want to go big on it, you know, have your wife sitting there in the kitchen and charge you, you know, 13 bucks for a beer and a hot dog, you know, every time you walk in there and then she goes in a shopping spree later, you know, or, or, you know, vice versa, you know, if, if your wife's big into it and you're not, you know, um, not, not to be sexist on this show at all <laughs> to anybody, but, you know, how many times do you hear that, though, from, from American fans? You know, I, I went for the experience, not for the game. I think we hear it all too many times, and it is unfortunate, especially for baseball, um, which I think is, unfortunately, you know, in a sense kind of dying out just because people think it's a long, boring game and this and that. And uh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm neither here nor there on that comment. Um, I love baseball for what it is. I don't care if it takes – two hours I'm here if it takes four hours I'm going to watch a game if my team's playing and, and I'm going to enjoy that game even if my team sucks that's that's what it comes down to I will sit there and through the rain I'll sit there through you know 100 degrees outside and I will watch my team win or lose that game just because I love the sport I think that's what it comes down to uh, and I think that's how the Koreans are with with baseball over there um they, they don't care if their team's Two and sixteen, or sixteen and two, right now, they're going to be there supporting that team, and uh, you know they're going to get the crowd going. And I, I also find it kind of funny that, um, especially in the states, we don't see cheerleaders in the MLB, but over there, there's cheerleaders everywhere. And 
they really get the crowds going in the game, which, again, it's not something that we don't see, and maybe that's why they're so into all the games, is because they have people there getting them going. In the United States, we have, what, you know, a, a mascot running around, and that's really about it. We don't have the involvement with the game like, like the Koreans do, so... Uh, maybe the MLB will see some stuff that the ML- that the KBO is doing, and you know, trying to transition to the MLB. But at the same time, I'm I'm completely content with the MLB staying as is. Uh, you know, if you don't want to go to a baseball game because you think it's boring, that's just better tickets for me in the long run, and so be it. So I second that motion. <laughs> you already uh, you already mentioned it, but you did uh, briefly mention that NASCAR is back as well. Uh, they've now, well, they're currently racing uh, their truck series race in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, they've now raced, what, three, f- five races so far in the past week, with, uh, or six, counting this one, with another one tomorrow night in uh, in Charlotte as well. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot, they're trying to get as many races in this year as, as they possibly can. I'm not sure if they'll be able to get all of them in, but, um, they're, they're certainly trying. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it, I, I personally, before the quarantine was an NASCAR fan. So with it coming back, I, I really didn't feel some sort of way or feel, you know, compelled to watch it. I was going to watch it regardless. Uh, I wasn't just going to watch it to watch it. Like some people are, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw somebody under the bus for watching it just to watch it, but, um, I, I was, very happy that it came back. Uh, I, I mean, we, we've been bored out of our minds these past few weeks, and, and we finally get some sort of normalcy back in our lives with NASCAR. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, you know, unfortunately, my my favorite driver may have uh, slipped up and dropped a racial slur in a uh, i racing event about a month or so ago. Uh, not naming him any names, but. Uh, yeah, NASCAR's back, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, no matter who you like, who you're rooting for, it's it's just something. Even if you don't have a favorite driver, it at, le- at least passes some time, uh, to say the least. Um, well, you won't say his name, but I have no problem saying who took over for him, <laughs> and that's my boy Matt Kenseth, okay? Just want to say, he's back, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, been a Kenseth fan for the longest time. And uh, Matt Kenseth is back in the NASCAR, so I will just simply say that and leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're really, I mean, they're storylines. Don't get me wrong; they're storylines we can talk about in NASCAR, but um, I, I don't feel like we're the right people to talk about said storylines. I mean, we can speculate about everything, and you know, with with our, it's a mediocre knowing or knowledge about the sport, even though I'm a fan. Uh, we'll save that for somebody that actually knows what they're talking about when they come to it. Um, but one thing that I really want to talk about, uh, the last thing really that that's our main topic for this show, uh, is the NHL's plan to return. Uh, I, I haven't seen a date on the specifics on when they want to return or, or, or anything, just uh, the plan on which they want to. Um, more or less, they've called the season as is. How many points you have is how many points you have, point percentage, uh, is how they're going to go for this NHL playoff and how it's going to be based. Uh, they're going to add an, an additional eight teams to the playoffs, so going from a 16-team field to a 24-team field uh, in the playoffs, best of fives, blah, blah, blah. I mean, th- there's so much going on. You're going to have the top, what, four teams from the East and West play 
in um, a, a round robin top tournament to see who gets the buy, who doesn't. Uh, and this, the, there's a number of things I, I want to talk about. One thing I really want to talk about and get your opinion on Travis is the fact that all but two teams approved uh, of the 2014 playoff. Those teams being Carolina and Tampa Bay. Um, and you, you know, thinking about this, the the 2014 playoff uh, really really is a big disadvantage to some of these teams, especially a team like Tampa Bay. Um, who were guaranteed to make the playoffs on the list. Carolina was a, a, a team on the bubble. But now you're, you're a team like the Lightning where you might get a bye, you might not get a bye. You, there, there, there's so much you have to worry about now. Um, I don't know if it's a disadvantage or an advantage to get the bye, honestly. I mean, I get games off and whatnot, but you even played hockey and two months. Uh, I mean, what's your opinion on those two, two teams not uh, approving a, a, of the 2014 uh, playoffs? And, you know, is it something that you can reason with and say, yeah, I, I see why they voted against it, or is it just something that, you know, you just don't understand? No, I mean, the way that I look at this whole situation, I mean, Carolina and Tampa Bay being the only two teams to not approve the 2014, you know, schedule for this, I get where they're coming from for the whole buy situation, but at the same time, look at it like this. The NHL season was not done. Those teams, the top four teams out of the Western Conference, the top four teams out of the Eastern Conference, were not guaranteed their slate that they had in that position. So for Gary Bettman to come out today and say the 2019-2020 season is ending exactly where it ended on the standings, the top 12 teams from each conference are going to get in. The top four are going to play for the seeding that rounds up where your top four teams would have been. Look at, the, look at the, the Western Conference. The Colorado Avalanche finished technically where the season ended. I think they were two points behind or one point behind where the St. Louis Blues were. Two that points. was going to be a race all the way to the end. Correct. In the Eastern Conference, it's a pretty similar situation. So those two teams would have been jockeying for who would have had that top seed anyways. Then you have the two teams who come in underneath them, and, 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 you know, you're talking about conference or, or division winners all the way across the board with this. There's not any team out of those who was going to be, you know, from the same conference as a different team, make the playoffs in that, in that top four selection. That's just not how the playoff structure even works. So you're talking about division leaders right now versus the teams that were going to be sitting there just as the bottom four teams coming into the postseason anyways. So what they're essentially doing is saying, oh, in, in all honesty, it, it might actually work out better for those eight teams that are underneath the bottom four because those top four teams are going to be playing a round robin to get their position in, in, in place. This is where you're going to sit as far as this playoff structure is concerned. But the eight teams underneath there, from my understanding from what Gary Bettman was saying, those teams will play a five-game series each against each other to see who gets in from that point. So those bottom eight teams are going to have more playing time. They're going to have more team, you know, more time together to get their legs back underneath them because, you know, you, you do have this two and a half month break where, where no team has played, you know, hockey at all. So those teams are going to be getting more playing time in, more practice time in than what you would have had if you, you would have just gone, you know, from the regular season into the playoffs. I mean, honestly, Tampa Bay sitting there saying that they don't like this structure and they don't want to come back to it. It almost sounds like a cop out for the fact that they got swept in the first round last year. 
Yeah, that, that's honestly along the lines of what I was thinking, that they're just kind of scared that what happened last year is going to happen again this year, albeit they aren't the President's Trophy winning team this year. Uh, they actually finish uh, second, well, I guess tied for third. I lied, tied for third in the President's Trophy running this year uh, behind Boston, uh, St. Louis, and tied with Colorado in the uh, the President's Trophy hunt. But Hold on, just say it one more time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to please you. I'm not here to please you. I'm not that kind of man. Um, but, I, I just want to hear it one more time. <laughs> but no, I, I think I'm right there with you that it kind of, it feels like a cop-out to me that they didn't want want to go to this type of format. And, you know, just looking at the standings um, in the East, uh, you know, if, if we didn't go to this, this extended playoffs, uh, Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Washington, Philly, Penguins, or Pittsburgh all made it. Um, based on their seedings, and the two wild cards would then be uh, Carolina and and Columbus. But now you're adding, you know, all these other teams. Uh, Florida, who's at 78 points, who would have been, you know, three points behind uh, Carolina and Columbus. Montreal has 71 points, uh, and the Islanders have 80, uh, and the Rangers have 79. I mean, you're adding a bunch of, I guess you could say, mediocre well, and, and, teams. And here's- I'd say this is where I, I come from this perspective, too. Again, just like you're talking about in the top four seedings, you can say the same exact thing for those bubble teams that were you know, on the brink of possibly making it. So I, I think that in this scenario, what you're essentially doing is saying, look, these teams had a chance to make it, a legitimate chance to knock those other teams out. They would have been in. These top four teams – Yes, they're jockeying for who would have been top, but again, you have one or two points separating the West, one or two points separating the East for who would have been top, you know, top contender. At Absolutely. that point, you you can't just sit there and say, "Up, oh, you know what? Season's over right here. We had you know what eleven games left in the season, and screw all else. These are the teams, and everyone else didn't make it. Go f yourselves." They at least have to sit there and give some type of chance to those bubble teams to say, "Look." you had a legitimate shot at it, here's your chance. And that's where I think that the NHL made that compromise. And I like the fact that the NHLPA was on board with this the entire time. And when we look at the players who were involved in it too, I mean, Gary Bettman even you know, gave him a shout-out when he gave their announcement earlier and said, you know, look, these guys were very integral in how we, how we derived this and how we came to this decision. These players had a stake in, in what was being said in these meetings, and it was taken very heavily. And so, you know, when you're talking about players saying this, fans saying this, team ownership saying this, the league saying this, the fact that two teams wanted to sit out, Tampa Bay, that's a cop-out because, you know, again, they just don't want to lose their, their, their top four seating and, you know, they're, they're scared of where they're going to fall in that standing. And then Carolina was at the bottom of that list in the East. Now, if you look at that, well, look, there's a bubble team that they have to play now. And guess what? They don't play down to that bubble team. They play up to the teams above them. So now they have to beat a team who is better than them in a five-game series to get back into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it'll be interesting nonetheless to see where, where we go and you know, how everything plays out once it, um, once it occurs. But we do a list of teams that officially made the playoffs starting in the East. Uh, Boston is the top team, followed by Tampa Bay. Finishing third was the Capitals. 
fourth Philadelphia, fifth uh, Pittsburgh. You then have a tie with Carolina, Columbus, <clears throat> excuse me, and Toronto. Uh, the Islanders, and then the Rangers, and you go back to the Atlantic with Montreal, uh, or Florida and Montreal rounding out the East. As for the West, uh, the West was a really good division this year, or a really good conference this year, pardon me. And, and I think we've been saying this for a while now, that there's been some really good hockey in the West. Um, it's come in, in different spurts. Uh, there was the dominance of the Blackhawks for a while, the dominance of the Kings. Uh, I guess you could say Anaheim, you know, albeit they only had, what, one Stanley Cup, two Stanley Cups in, since uh, the 2000s. Uh, they've been a very good team and a very tough team to beat with the core that they built there. Um, but in the West, <clears throat> you had St. Louis winning the, the West, followed by Colorado, uh, Vegas, Edmonton, Dallas, Winnipeg. Then you have a tie between Nashville and, or pardon me, Calgary. Then you have a tie between Va- Nashville and uh, Vancouver. You then go to Minnesota. Arizona rounds out the Pacific, and uh, Chicago is the last team in in the West. Uh, I think it's kind of funny. The entire Central Division ends up making the playoffs. The uh, three teams eliminated were Anaheim, the Kings, and the Sharks, who all had horrific seasons, all finishing um, well below 500, all accounting for 29 wins apiece. Um, But we're going to have hockey back, and... Let me just say, I am very excited to have hockey back. Um, Pittsburgh is currently, well, is not currently. They are going to face Montreal in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, both teams really kind of struggled going into the playoffs this year. 4-5-1 and one for uh, Montreal in their last 10 before the uh, the stoppage. Pittsburgh 3-7-0 and zero before the stoppage. Uh, so definitely some rough times there, but on a bright side, Travis, your uh, your Avalanche were seven two and one before the uh, before the coronavirus shut down our NHL season. Uh, now, if any of this good or bad momentum carries over into the the playoffs, uh, we we don't know yet. Uh, we'll definitely have to see how well, they here, play. I was going to say here here's here's a good question that I have, and 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 this is something that mm-hmm. was not addressed, and I don't know if it will be addressed. Okay. What happens with the players who were on IR? Because I know that at least for the Avalanche, we had Nazem Kadri on IR. We had um, I want to say Burkowski was just coming off or had just gone back onto the IR. You know, we, we, we had definitely some significant players who were on the IR yeah. going into you know the, the final sets of games that we had. So you know. Just speaking from that perspective, are those players going to be eligible to return day one into the postseason, or are they going to do a situation where okay, those players have to sit out whatever your first round is? You know, whether it's the, you know the top four teams playing a round robin, they have to sit that out, and then they're eligible to come back after that. Sure. Or you know, vice versa for the bottom eight teams, do they have to sit out that five game series, and then they're eligible to come back after that series, or are they able to come back day one? I, I think that's the question that everybody's you know nobody's really brought up at all and it hasn't been addressed, but I think that's a, that's a major question because if you're talking about some of these teams, they have key, you know, playmaking players who, who have been on IR for various reasons leading up into this, you know, unfortunate pandemic that everybody you know is involved in now. 
that can be a make or break situation. You know, are you stuck with the roster you had date, you know, from the day it ended, or are all these players just okay? You're good now. Okay, if you can play, you can play. Yeah, that, that's a really good question that I didn't I didn't think of because uh, at least thinking of it from Pittsburgh's perspective, um, Jake Gensel broke his collarbone near the end of the season. I don't I don't remember when it was February maybe. Uh, I, I'd have to look it up specifically. Uh, he wasn't slated to return to. Wow, people setting off fireworks in our uh, little neighborhood. So I apologize for that. Um, but someone like Jake Gensel, who wasn't slated to return till the first round of playoffs, if not later, uh, should be healthy now. Uh, I mean, there there was thoughts that he wasn't even going to be able to play in the playoffs, even if they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So. Um, that's a really good question. If they're capable to return right away, or if if they've got to wait some sort of period, uh, I, I, we don't have an answer on that yet. Uh, I definitely have to keep our eyes peeled to see if something were to were to come up and uh, and go from there. Uh, another thing I want to talk about: Gary Bettman has announced a couple cities in which uh, will be quote unquote like host cities in a sense. I uh, think of it kind of like the Olympics host city. Uh, I think he called it more of a hub, though, uh, for games. Uh, he announced Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver as potential suitors from a hub. Oh my uh, God! Do we want to do we want to start taking bids on who's going to be the city? We can break <laughs> it down tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have any odds in front of me, but I'd love to. Um, I, I'll I'll go out and say okay, uh, we're doing it. Let's do it. I. I personally can't see LA being a team, you know, being a place. Um, as of now, I mean, just thinking in terms of um, uh, population alone, uh, and then I'm sure the the amount of, of cases they had out in, especially um, the Los Angeles area, was was you know through the roof, and that's probably a big reason you don't see New York on here because New York was one of the hardest hit areas in in all the United States. Um, I personally don't see L.A. being the pick, if I'm being honest. If, if I'm looking at a Western team that is probably going to host All right, we got one of the it. West, one of the East. One of the West, one of the East. Edmund said it. Who you got? I, I, I can't speak for Canada. I don't know how they've been affected by this. I don't want to speak to Toronto or Vancouver and, and, and you know find out they've been hit harder than others and, and whatnot. Uh, but I know for a fact, since I live in Pennsylvania, uh, Pittsburgh, while they were hit pretty hard, they weren't hit nearly as hard as other places, especially a place like Philly, uh, New York, which I mentioned. I'm sure, like I said, L.A. also hit very hard. Uh, I, I, I can see Pittsburgh being a very viable option for the East. And for the West, um, ooh, that's tough. I, I, I'm going to go with Dallas, I guess. I mean, I, like I said, I don't know how everything's been been help, you know handled out west. Uh, Vegas, I think, could also be a, a very viable suitor. Uh, and again, I don't want to speak for Edmonton, Toronto, or Vancouver. I don't know how they've been hit by it and uh, how how serious it's been for them. But uh, I think I'll go Pittsburgh and, and Dallas. I guess. I mean, I, I really don't know. All right, so I think that out of the West, your, your breakdown is going to either be Dallas or Vegas. And Dallas was definitely not hit nearly as hard as other places. But with all the information that's out, they say that 
dry heat is the best thing for this thing. I think Vegas has a solid chance, especially since that is, you know, betting hub USA and all the casinos are going to want to be, you know, they're going to want to get in on the action. There's plenty of hotels to, to, to fit all the players at. There's no issue of some rink-a-dink, you know, days in or motel six kind of places that, you know, these guys are going to stay at, you know, there, there's very lavish locations. They can stay out on the strip um, as well as the venues that can actually handle the games. I think Vegas is going to be where the Western games are played. As far as the East goes, I'm going to agree with you. I think Pittsburgh is a very viable option. Um, as far as where the Eastern games are played, it, it, it's not too far outside of Canada for the teams that are from Canada coming in. Yes, I said Canada. I don't care. Um, you know, when you're talking about the Canadian teams that are coming in, that's a, it's not too far outside of the Canada-U.S. border. They didn't get hit nearly as hard as some of the other cities in the East did. Um, and the fact that they have opened up more than some locations have, I, I, I think that will be a viable option. So I'm going to go Vegas and Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with either Vegas or Dallas uh, for the West. Um, I, again, I just, I just don't know how it would necessarily work out for a Canadian team to be a hub city, um, especially with uh, the United States and, and Canada continuing to shut down the border for uh, non-essential business. I, I don't know how. I mean, I, I guess I just don't understand how you could consider this essential in a way. I mean, they haven't been playing for a reason. They they, they weren't an essential okay. worker. Like, you know how it's essential? I'll, I'll tell you exactly how it's essential, okay? To, to pull the NFL into this, if you couldn't paint your face orange every week and go down to a stadium, you'd have to sit there and say, holy shit, I live in Cleveland. That's how sports are essential. F- fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but but it, it's definitely on a uh, – there's going to have to be something worked out if it is a Canadian team that is going to be a hub city. Uh, we'll have to definitely pay attention to that as we uh, continue to go forward and, and see uh, not only when we play, but where we play, I guess. Uh, although, at this point, I don't care where they play. I'm just ready for the playoffs and, and hockey to be back. Uh, and, and hopefully that means that fo- or, uh, football, hopefully that means that baseball is right around the corner with a, uh, a shortened season. There had been the reports of, um, what, an 82-game season starting on July 4th, uh, that we'd be getting, uh, you know, a, a second, quote-unquote, spring training here in the next few weeks, you know, early to mid-June, start back up July. Not sure how uh, how that's going to go, but um, we'll, we'll definitely have to pay attention to that as well. Uh, but but I got one thing that uh, I wanted to bring up that I thought was cool. I'm not sure if uh, you caught it or not, uh, but did you hear what the Pensacola Wahoos, a minor league team for the Minnesota Twins, is doing with their ballpark during this quarantine? Or, well, I guess during all of this. That is a new thing to me. What do you got, big guy? So the minor league team, uh, obviously in Pensacola, the Wahoos, are opening their stadium up to be an Airbnb. Uh, you're able to go stay in the stadium, um, fifteen hundred dollars a night, go go chill in the stadium and stay there. Uh, it says uh, you'll have access to the clubhouse, a large bedroom, batting cages in the field. 
Uh, you'll be welcome to hit from home plate, catch, uh, you know, play catch in the outfield on the bases, uh, wh- whatever you you have in mind, you're you're able to do. So, um, y- you know, if I were working, I'd, I'd be uh, I'd be offering to go halvesies with you and uh, split this fifteen hundred dollar a night journey down in Pensacola. But uh, one of us is currently that is a horrible work. idea. That is a horrible it idea. It sounds like a great idea. Except we... I will tell you why that is a horrible idea. One of the two people that are in this conversation while they were in the Marine Corps was stationed at a little city called Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. Go on. And I, and I will tell you that the Pensacola Wahoos opening up their stadium is a Airbnb with a military base that is full of – it's a naval base – of pretty much every branch. The Navy does their OCS or officer candidate training there. Um, you have the Naval and Marine Corps air crew school there. So there's the Marines that are involved. There's army personnel there and some air force personnel there being a veteran of the U S military. I can tell you there are a lot of individuals that will be clamoring with two or three of their buddies to get $1,500 together for a couple nights at that Airbnb known as the Pensacola Wahoo Stadium. And they will find every swinging female that they can to get in there. And at that point, I will, in PG terms, tell you that the coronavirus is the least concerned virus that you will have running through that stadium at that point in time. <laughs> Oof. Well, uh, I guess that's that's the military for you then, to put it in layman's terms. Uh, in, in in all honesty, you know that that aside, I, I just thought it was uh, it was kind of cool. Um, you know, in theory, of, the concept is great. The location is the questionable part. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking like middle of, I don't know some minor league team in like Arizona or some minor league team, like in, in the middle of you know Georgia or something like that. Absolutely. I'm all for it. But when you have a military base full and, and the thing is, it's not even, it, it's strictly for the most part, a training facility. When you have that many testosterone filled youths who are fresh out of boot camp and looking to <laughs> clap yep. cheeks on, on the first thing that walks, that is a poor decision. Yes, you are. Uh, you are probably correct. And um, regardless of, of our take on it, it has officially been booked through the end of July. Uh, that came out on May twenty fifth. So we're uh, having this- said that. W- without One telling my that- wife or your wife, um, w- would you like to take a trip to Pensacola, Florida, <laughs> to go get some uh, batting reps? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Count, count me in. Hopefully they don't listen to this episode. This isn't the one they listen to, you know. Um, we'll, we'll see, though. But uh, with that, do you have any uh, any closing thoughts before we head off with this uh, you know, shorter episode? But uh, it got the point across. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited the fact that, you know, baseball is possibly coming back. The NHL has a plan laid out. Um, the NBA has a planned out uh, uh, situation to, to finish their season, from what I understand as well. I know we don't talk a whole lot of NBA on the show, um, 
NASCAR's back, you know, KBO is here. We we are starting to get sports back, which is a really, really good thing, especially for guys like you and I who, you know, if, if it was not for sports, dear God, I don't know what I would do with myself. Um, but I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where these things lead because, you know, every time you have some sort of situation like this, you find a lot of innovators who are out there. Who's going to innovate the sports now? Um, who's going to come in and, and bring something to said, you know, insert, you know, league here that is something that has not been tried yet. And um, honestly, you actually real quick before we hop off of here, um, you know, just to kind of bring up the NFL, uh, one thing that was not on our docket, but hey, let's head down a rabbit hole. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's back. Kind of get your thoughts on uh, that, buddy. Uh, if I'm being honest, I hadn't heard because you know not every single Steelers fan on Facebook posted it. I, I you know I, I didn't hear it. No, I, I, I didn't see Juju's. You know, no. But you know what I did see. Uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, I'm glad he's back. Um, hopefully he can return to, you know, his, his 2018 form and, you know, not the two games he played in 2019. Um, I will say one thing and one thing only about Tom Wolf criticizing Ben Roethlisberger for getting a haircut. Mr. Wolf, you can screw off. If you don't know who he is, governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, let's just leave it at that. Tom Wolf is a, uh, is a puppet for, for some people in the, in the state and will do anything to appease to them. Um, can't stand the guy. Oh, I, I didn't want to leave my political views out of this, but cannot stand the guy. Let's just say that. But, so uh, let's, 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 yes. let's, let's transition to this part of it, of it then. Ben Roethlisberger said after his throwing session with Connor, with Switzer, with Juju, this is the first time in years I have not felt pain throwing. Now, I have seen quite a few people out there from lettered networks that one that we've already mentioned, but other lettered networks also say that just because Ben is thrown without pain, 38 is the year that you typically see any quarterback outside of Peyton Manning and the one that Tom Brady completely fall off. Do you personally feel that Ben Roethlisberger is coming back in as a top dog with Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP award in the AFC North, or do you see him as just barking from the porch as Lamar runs wild with you know, no bias? If I'm being totally honest, uh, I'm kind of worried. I, I'm not going to you know, lie and say I'm confident. Everybody wants to say, oh, his last year he was healthy. He led the league in passing. Uh, okay. And where did that where did that get the Steelers? It didn't get him to the playoffs for damn sure. It it barely got them a week or a win in in week seventeen against a bad Bengals team that year. Yeah, I, I know because I was there and, and suffered through that game that they managed to, to squeak out, uh, and you know just missed the playoffs on a uh, uh, a play by or you know on some plays by Cleveland not going their way in that game Ravens win blah blah blah. I'm not that confident that Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back and be that guy. If I'm being honest, I'm worried. You can't tell me a guy at the age of 37 is going to go through a surgery like he did and expect him to come back at 38, playing 
top tier quarterback, you know, top five quarterback numbers. It's unrealistic. I don't care who it is. It is unrealistic to expect this guy to come back and to be an MVP type player at the age he is. He doesn't have the mobility anymore. Who knows if he has the arm strength to heave it downfield like he used to. I'm sorry, Steelers Nation. I, I, as a Steelers fan, I, I, I'm very nervous going into this season, especially knowing the backup situation with Rudolph and Duck. I'm kind of torn on this one. I really am. And here's why I'm torn. So on the one side, I, I, I completely see age 38 typically is a drop-off point for most quarterbacks. 1,000%. Won't deny it. I'm not going to combat that. Where I see the hope at, though, number one, the Steelers have a far, 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 thank you, Minka, for coming here, defense. Far better defense than what they had in years prior. And in addition to that, from what I've read, what I've heard, what I've seen, different snippets here and there, quarterbacks, unlike baseball players who come back from the surgery that Ben had, typically come back stronger. And the reasoning behind that is because they will still go through the same exact rehab for the most part that a major league pitcher will go through coming back from this type of injury. However, given the fact that the throwing styles are completely different, it usually locks up the elbow in a better manner for better power and accuracy as you're throwing the ball. So part of me wants to sit there and agree with you 1000% and say, this is still a scary situation. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I, I, I rag on him all day and I will continue to rag on him all day because he is a running back. He is not a traditional quarterback. He is trying to take what Michael Vick did and take it to a new level. And while yes, he is doing it. Once a team, you know, once teams figure out how to stop Lamar, you've just stopped the Ravens, and that's all there is to it. But Ben Roethlisberger has the opportunity at the age that he is. I mean, if you look at that 2004 draft class, he's really the last one left. Phillip Rivers technically was out of the league, got brought back in a one-year deal with the Colts. It's a prove-it contract. Who knows if he sticks around? Ben still has two years on his contract. The Steelers aren't going to cut Ben. It's just not going to happen, especially given what's behind them. Now, if if the Steelers tank out this season, there's a good likelihood they're drafting Trevor Lawrence, and I love you, Ben. Enjoy that first ballot Hall of Fame. we got to get some money in the cap space. But I, I, I personally am really torn on whether or not Ben is going to have the success because if you, if you look at the numbers with Juju, if you look at the numbers, you know, with Connor out of the backfield, if you, if you look at everything that Ben did in this 2018, 2019 campaign, the numbers for everybody around him were grossly inflated comparative to what they got last year. Now, mind you, you had duck and Mason for the most part, I don't think either one of them has truly proven the fact that they are his backup. Mason is not the heir apparent. I'll throw that out there right now. Mason is not your heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. That's not going to happen. And if it does happen, oh, dear God, we are in trouble. But I, I, 
I want to hold out optimism and say he can come back and be that guy because the defense for what they've done and what they have right now, that's a, that's a deadly one, two combo. I, I, I can agree with that, but again, I'm very incredibly hesitant to say that Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back and, and be the stud that everybody's assuming he's going to be. I, I just personally don't see it being... Uh... And, and real quick, by the way, in that 31-second clip that we got, who the hell asked somebody when they're on their way to a surgery, when he sits there and says, I'm not going to shave or cut my hair until I'm able to throw a pass, asked, are you talking like to a toddler? Like, what the hell kind of question is great, that? Great question. Great question. But uh, we, with that, we we managed to make this an hour-long episode that we didn't anticipate to make an hour-long episode. But with that, uh, any closing thoughts from you? And let everybody know where they can follow you. I'm pretty sure that's it. That was my final part of that. But, uh, yeah, you can always find me on Facebook as Travis Herco. Follow me on the Twitter machine at ChupaThingy6173. Follow me on Instagram as Travis Herco. And as always, right here on the show next to you. By the way, I don't have OnlyFans, and it's not going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but uh, I wouldn't pay for it anyways. Sorry. Uh, it's not Thank you, it's God. me. It's not you, it's me. Um, but real quick, just thanks to everybody that's been listening to the show. Uh, these past few shows have gotten a ton of downloads. Uh, definitely appreciate the love that, it, that the show's been getting. Continue to give the show some love if you do like it. Uh, Pandora's been getting a ton of plays. Keep it up. Uh, like the show. Comment on the show. Like the page. Smoke them if you got them on Facebook. Smoke them if you got one on Twitter. Or myself, at SteveReed95 on Twitter. Uh, not on there often, but uh, I will get on there and answer some questions if they come my way. So um, thanks for everybody listens. Thanks for everybody continue to listening, and we'll catch you all next uh, next time. Peace.